the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. I don't have much of an opinion on Brittany Griner. Sometimes I just shut up when I don't know what to say. Maybe I should be more evolved and have a response for it. I don't. That's how I approach life. When I don't know, I don't say anything. So I feel very comfortable talking stocks, talking investments, talking concepts to get you to retirement. I feel very uncomfortable telling you how to live your life and who's right or wrong, politically speaking. The best thing that I used to say about politics was there's gridlock in Washington. And when there's gridlock, nothing gets done. And when nothing gets done, that's our government working best for capitalism. Let capitalism figure it out for you. Sometimes we we don't need capitalism to figure it out for us. Sometimes we need universal health care. We need universal income. We need universal, like, we figure out what we need to figure out. <clears throat> Gridlock's good. We don't really have gridlock right now. We kind of have this hate of each other, it feels like. Amazon's buying a company that made me giggle many, many, many years ago. And it's Roomba. And this makes total sense for Amazon. They they do the speakers. They do the tablets. Um, <clears throat> they're doing the ring doorbells. They're, they're doing a lot of what they can to get into the gadgets of your home. They're developing a dog-like robot to walk around the house and you get to talk to it. Roomba's kind of like a computer uh, robot dog, kind of. Roomba was a publicly traded company that we, 20 years ago, we were like, ooh, ah, everyone's going to be able to get, the vacuum cleaner's going to go away. No, that's not going to happen. But iRobot is being bought for all cash, $1.7 billion. The deal works out to about $61 a share. It's about a 22% premium. Nothing crazy there. But it brings in the question, what's Amazon trying to do here? The iRobot is maker of Roombas. 20 years ago, when they first came as a publicly traded company, we talked about how police departments will have iRobots. And that bomb squads will have iRobots and that the military could put a a rifle on an iRobot and send in robots into dangerous areas so we don't have to send humans in. It's really not worked out like that as that story. Although, yes, I have seen there's a Russian modified robot that looks pretty deadly. And it kind of looks like a Roomba with a M16 on top of it. Please don't yell at me if I don't know what type of rifle it is. Please. I don't know rifles. It could be an AK something, but it's, I don't know what it is. Anyhow, and anyway, the Roomba robot, it was like a, a great gift for the person. You didn't know what to get him for Christmas. 
Then I saw a video of a Roomba robot not understanding what dog poop was and rolling right over it to clean it up. And let's just say you need a new robot. Um, less than perfect, but it's it's okay. I get it. I get it. I'm not going to fight it. Amazon last week bought medical care company One Medical. This one makes a lot more sense to me. It's a bigger problem to crack. It's a bigger problem to figure out. Americans Healthcare. Companies like Health Navigator, an online symptom checking tool. So Amazon's got quite a portfolio of healthcare. Robot, I'm okay with. But they, they have the tablet. They have the Hey Alexa thing. Um, they have the speakers. I, I, it's okay. The doorbell, yes, lovely. Some security cameras, nice. But they're trying to get into your home. This doesn't feel like a. It's going to change the world. Maybe. The U.S. added 528,000 jobs in July, showing a booming labor market despite recession fears. So, you know, 2022 has played out where it was supposed to be the year of the recovery, not the year of inflation. Maybe it's the year of an inflation-fueled recovery. And we started seeing it about this time last year, and it really picked up, and it's really picked up. So we started to talk about inflation leading to a recession. Now we're starting to talk, well, they're not going to get a recession with a 3.5% unemployment rate. It's just not going to happen. Rock, scissors, paper. You may get inflation-type scenarios where we see government spending down. You may see what we're getting for our goods down slightly versus what we're paying up slightly. And that will feel recessionary. We'll feel like we're getting less or more. <laughs> oh, I love the headlines. A jury ordered InfoWars host Alex Jones pay over $4.1 million to two San Diego parents, far less than $150 million the plaintiff's attorneys requested. That sounds like a negative headline, but also when you award penalties, uh, you have to make sure that they're small enough not to get appealed to the point that the whole thing gets dropped. It's a weird thing. I remember that was the last day that I, I really, I, I had a good sob after Newton. I had a kid who was in kindergarten and that happened. And I was like, no, this is what's wrong with America. Like you can't kill children. No, not in school, not with beautiful teachers. Like, no. So I'm kind of happy he's getting held accountable. Just and again, in the back of my head. You can't make stuff up and go out on news. You can't. Some laws in America do protect us from people in theaters screaming fire and getting just trampled as we try to get out. Um, that's a headline. That's speaking louder than the jobs number today. It's a shame that that's the case, but it is. Jared Kushner faked cancer to sell a book, so says an ex-Trump advisor, Navarro. <laughs> if that headline's true, I don't know it is or isn't. I, I strangely love it. Um, what would you do? Every now and then, like Ferris Bueller fakes cancer, uh, gets out of school, has a, a day in Chicago. Yeah. Not my thing either. Monkeypox. Is monkeypox going to be a thing over the weekend? Is it going to explode? Is it going to get the numbers bigger? Are we wrongfully doing what we did to COVID and not taking it very seriously in the first couple of months inside the United States? I don't know. 
HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra declared monkeypox a national public health emergency. The announcement comes 12 days after the World Health Organization declared the monkeypox outbreak a global emergency. Vaccine supply is limited, and more than 6,600 cases have been confirmed, and the United States is number one yet again. Now, I like it when we're number one in soccer. I like it when we're number one in hockey. I like it when we're number one in basketball at the Olympics. Being number one in monkeypox, not terribly reassuring. But again, how many SARS, Ebola's, COVID's, chicken flus, swine flus, mad cow diseases? We don't have the cleanest um, agricultural world. And um, this is problematic. It seems like every year we're going to have a pox or a flu. It, it feels like to me, a, or they're very, very common. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. An education first approach to managing your money. This is the Rob Black Show. The rule of thumb is something that we will bring up on the show on occasion. When it comes to kind of comparing us to other people, it's kind of a measuring stick. It's not perfect. It's approximate. How much money should you have saved at age 20, age 30, age 40, age 50, age 60, so that you don't have to work till the day you die? And it's a little bit alarming when you see the Federal Reserve come up with a paper and they show exactly the average of what Americans have saved. This is not including retirement funds. Americans under age 35 have 3,200 saved. Americans 35 to 44, 4,700. Americans 45 to 54 have 5,600. And Americans 55 to 64 have 6,400 saved. The rule of thumb, even in times of high inflation, should have somewhere between three to 12 months of essential expenses, emergency fund. So three to 12 months, hmm, how does that sound to you? I got an email yesterday from a woman who was looking to put her money in a CD, a certificate of deposit. I have not been using certificates of deposit, CDs, as a way of laddering income. Maybe they'll come back in favor if we can get high inflation to stick around long enough to get interest rates to four to six percent, four to three to four, three to five kind of percent. And yeah, I used to be able to ladder income so that, like, you'd say, I want a one year CD that I'm going to give to you and you're going to give it back to me in one year, but you're going to pay me three percent because I gave you a hundred dollars. So I'm going to get three dollars. You'd get a two year CD that might pay four percent. And when the one-year CD expired, you have one year left on your two-year. So it used to be a, a strategy that we talked about regularly on this show when interest rates were higher, when we're in a higher interest rate environment, where you are always having your emergency money or your essential money consistently locked up, but also consistently unlocking every year and then resetting a year higher on the ladder. It's not the easiest thing to talk about on, on radio because it's, it's spatial. But let's just say Americans are not saving enough. We're not investing enough. Many Americans simply don't have any savings at all. When I tell you the average median, um, the median for someone under 35 is $3,200. Wow. That's not bueno. Considering there's some people who skew that number way higher. 
Bankrate.com did a big survey that found 56% of Americans would be unable to cover an unexpected $1,000 bill with savings, which means we go to credit cards. When the Federal Reserve raises interest rates on overnight lending, that trickles into the system of credit cards. And if we don't have enough for a $1,000 emergency situation for, let's say, a heater or an air conditioner, it's a hot summer, let's say an air conditioner. Let's say you live in the South where there's 100 degree days and they're humid and the nights only get down to 80, 85. You're going to need a little air conditioning. If you're over 65, 70, 75, and suddenly you don't have enough to pay that bill, and then you're paying your credit card. Like it's, it's a very big problem not to have enough. How to think about savings in your 20s? Your financial priorities are much different in your 20s than later generations because you have a whole career ahead of you. You're probably on entry-level income. You're probably starting to talk about uh, tackling college debt. Spending wisely, automating your savings. Those are some of the, the key investment successes. In your 30s, you're more established in your career. You're earning more. It should make it easier to save. But then you get lifestyle creep where you went from a junker car in your 20s to, ooh, I deserve something a little bit nicer. Lifestyle creep is what is going to crack your ability to have a nest egg, your ability to grow wealthy. Um, and when I'm talking wealthy, I'm not talking Gilligan's Island, the, the, the howls. I'm not Thurston and Lovey. No. I'm talking about having the ability to pay your bills until the day you die, not necessarily in a mansion. So in your 20s, I don't think you really have an emergency fund. In your 30s, you start thinking about emergencies because lifestyle creep has started to come in. And if you lose your job, you got to pay off bills. So having that emergency fund, very, very important. Where do you put it? Email came to me this week. She said, you know, I'm thinking about some CDs. I'm like, no, let me take a look. And the rates were, they're, they're still very, very low. So I, I talked about, there's a bank called Flourish, F-L-O-U-R-I-S-H. There's Ally, A-L-L-Y. Um, there's Marcus by Goldman uh, Sachs that are all paying pretty nice one and a half, one point three quarters interest rates on your savings. Yeah, it's a little bit of a hassle to get. Let's say you need to pay the IRS a hundred thousand. Your accountant goes, you owe the IRS a hundred thousand dollars, and you have a hundred thousand dollars in flourish. It's going to take three days for you to transfer it back to Bank of America. They're going to write a check off of Bank of America to the IRS. Something like that. It's not super smooth, but it's an emergency kind of situation that you don't need the money overnight, I don't think. In theory, you could put it on a credit card and then pay it off in three days if you really, really had to. But there's a good website called bankrate.com that does a nice job of showing you online saving rates. Um, I've got the maximum FDIC insured that I can have for my cash emergency savings at Flourish. It is institutional. So if you work with someone like EP Wealth, that's how you get there. Otherwise, I would work with someone like Marcus by Goldman Sachs. In your 40s, suddenly emergency cash becomes a little bit different. You probably have stocks now. You probably have, I should look at diversifying your investments. You should have some additional streams of revenue coming in. 
if you've managed to lock in a mortgage at a low rate, you, you know, rather than making additional payments, you could invest those additional funds into a rental property or a potential passive revenue stream. I've never prepaid a mortgage. I don't understand people that do. If your mortgage is at six, seven, eight percent, yeah, I get it. But when your low cost of money is somewhere to, between two and a half and five percent, five percent, yeah, you're starting to get pretty close to wanting to prepay it. But four percent, four and a half, what most Americans have right now is an incredibly low cost mortgage. How do you think about savings in your fifties? That's a bigger one, right? Your nest egg should be looking pretty good. Your retirement savings nest egg. In your 50s, you should start thinking about long-term care insurance. Um, it's expensive. And you should have something in place other than my wow, my spouse is going to take care of me. I've got a family member right now who's in his early 80s, and he just fell and cracked his head on the stairs, and he won't leave the house. And the spouse is taking care of them. And every time he falls down, they have to call the fire department. I'm like, that's all well and good until there's a fire. And I'm like, I, I don't really think the fire department should come out more than three times to help someone who's fallen. You should start thinking about, let's get a long-term solution to this fall kind of thing. Call me crazy. But that's frustrating. And he wants to stay in the house. He built it. It's two levels. He's going to die in that house. That's not good. My mother took a nasty fall in her mid-70s and broke her hip and laid in the bottom of the bed. She fell out of bed, something like that, and uh, laid her own poop for two or three days. And when we finally found her, we were pretty much like, oh, she, she would have been dead in another day. Wow, right? That's why you have to start thinking about long-term care. Uh, in the case of my family member who fell and cracked his head, just a nasty gash, probably a stitch or two. He doesn't want to leave the home, so he's forcing his wife, essentially he's becoming his, his long-term care nurse. I, I would doubt that he could do showers by himself. Like There's some issues there, right? But to pay for a nurse in your home, it's expensive. Now, he has the money. Should he get a nurse in the home, or should he go to a one-level rancher? I, I can't answer that. My dad wanted to die in the house that was home. He didn't want to die in a hospital. I get it. Um, hospitals are really weird when your when your parent dies in one, because you have to like go to the nurse's table and like, hey, I'm you're you're no longer. I'm here to see my mother. To I'm here to sign something so you can send her to the morgue. And like, oh, no bueno, no bueno. The median savings balance, not including retirement funds. It's not a very useful measure, but it is telling me that we need to have more thoughts in our lives on how we approach saving. I think I did a good thing by telling you about bankrate.com this segment. And I think I did a good thing by telling you that I've got money saved. Um, even though, yes, I'd rather have a bigger TV. Even though, yes, I'd rather have a bigger car. Even though, yes, I'd rather have, you know what I'm saying, right? Uh, right now, if radio stopped working, if aliens took over the radio waves and I couldn't do what I do to make a, a paycheck, I'd be okay because my cash is in a good place. Now, again, maybe the, the aliens will hack into that and steal that and then I'm down the creek. But 
For now, I'll be okay. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. robblackshow.com robblackshow.com Job growth remains strong in July in the United States. This will help keep the economy moving, maybe stagflating, but flating, inflating is the idea there. But it's also going to mean the Fed's going to raise interest rates. Again, that's a a horrible way to boil it down, but that's the way Wall Street is working today. Amazon's buying Roomba Maker for $1.7 billion. Um, I don't know. Did the iRobot ever hit its perfect stride? I know they came up with mopping versions. I, I don't know anyone that has one that is like, this is the greatest thing. I just turn it on. I go to work and I come home and the house is still out clean. I know it, it works well, but this doesn't feel like a game changer for Amazon. Last week with healthcare felt like a game changer. DraftKings had a strong customer engagement and rising forecast. Last year, DraftKings was everywhere in the NFL, the NBA, in baseball games that you would watch on TV. We've started to open up online gambling, app gambling. Um, to beyond states and to onto a federal level. And people feel this could be a great investment. Last year, they did a heavy, heavy investment in advertising and trying to get who's going to be the winner, which app is going to be the winner. And it didn't really pay off. $300 sign up bonus. All you have to do is hit fantasy one, two, three. So is it going to be Caesars Entertainment? Is it going to be Penn Entertainment? Is it going to be DraftKings, the online sports betting platform? DraftKings lifted their forecast. So some of that investment is paying off now. Do you want to invest in gambling? It's up to you. I bring up the question, only you can have the answer. DraftKings' average number of monthly unique paid users increased 30% year over year. That's a big number. Now, I grew up, everyone knows I'm over 50. I grew up in a time where I didn't do any sports betting because I didn't know a bookie and I wasn't compelled to do any sports betting and the fact I didn't know a bookie. I feel like some of my friends would be like, oh yeah, I got money on the game. I'm like, how do you have money on the game? You have a bookie? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I got a bookie. It's just funny to think about that the barrier to entry for me was always, I never had a bookie. I was a pretty innocent young man. So average users growing 30% year over year is a good number. It's good for the whole sector, but it's particularly good for DraftKings. Would I own the stock? Um, if it was the most speculative that I needed in my portfolio, yeah, I could, I could make a case for owning it over the longer term. But I don't need the most speculative name in my portfolio anymore to accomplish my goals. My goals have kind of been met on a lot of levels. The most spectacularly... Dramatic stock in my personal portfolio, not the portfolio that EP Wealth manages for me, is Airbnb. 
I think long term they have the chance to get hotel style revenue for a bigger home. I'm traveling in September for a long weekend. And the idea of getting two hotel rooms, because I've got two kids who are almost six feet tall, um, versus uh, Airbnb, I'm like Airbnb. And then we could get the rental car and not have to, you see where I'm going out with this, right? So I got a little bit of work to do on, do I do the Airbnb, do I do the hotel, do I do the Airbnb, do I do the hotel? And then what do I do with my hotel travel credit card? Oof. That's suddenly becoming a lot less useful. Unless Hilton were to acquire Airbnb. Ooh. Not going to happen. 800-516-1220 calls on the air. The Twitter um, smackdown with Elon Musk is continuing. And I'll tell you, both sides lose on this one. It's heading to court quickly. And Musk is trying to set it up so that the company is somehow hoodwinked investors. That there's schemes going on. It feels to me, from a very third-party distance, um, claims and counterclaims for litigation aren't going to get this done. It should boil down to, did Musk really sign something that said he's going to buy it? No conditions. I bought a home with no conditions, and I paid a little bit of a price on it. Not getting a proper uh, look at the home. I could have, and, I, and since then I have. And there's some things that I would have asked for, like that were expensive. Can you, you know, meet me halfway on this because you're not up to code? But nope, the housing market was too hot. I had to waive those. He had to waive his, or he did waive his. Why? And he's saying the underlying business has got schemes in it. He's using the word scheme. It, you can really mess yourself up by using the word fraud. Uh, and scam together. It is if you say scams, you better have the legal backup for it. Otherwise, you can get sued very, very quickly. So Musk is saying that the platform does not have 238 million monetizable daily active users or users that see ads on the site, and the number is actually closer to 65 million lower than the company represents. This is a pretty nasty fight. I want nothing to do with it. If you're one of those people like, oh, he's going to get locked in. He's going to have to buy it. He's going to have to come up with the money. That's probably bad for Tesla. It's probably good for Twitter shares. Not necessarily bad for Tesla business. Do you see where I'm going? One minute. Too much drama for me. Sorry, Elon. I'm going to have to pass on this, this uh, headline mashup. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Strong jobs report today. We're employed. That should put the recession hawks a little bit further away, but now we're going to have to ace more inflation because we have good jobs. Uh, you can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube at Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Find us at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. The first half of 2022, the word inflation was in every single financial show. Every single day, inflation, 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 out of control. The Fed doesn't get it. The Fed's behind. The Fed's going to have to raise rates aggressively. And the markets didn't like it. And then we started talking about inflation is going to lead to a recession. Are we in one? Technically, it looks like we are. Um, But it doesn't feel like one because it's a jobless recovery. No, that's not the right word. It's 
we've got plenty of jobs in a recession that it, it doesn't even make sense. It's kind of like, whoa, red pill, blue pill. What's the real reality here? So today we see the jobs numbers were great. Stocks are off their lows, but they went lower today across the board. Almost every single stock that I own personally is down today. Maybe out of 15, 16 stocks, it's uh, 14 of them are down. Yesterday, almost everything was up because yesterday we were thinking inflation's not so bad or the recession's not going to be so bad. The recession will allow the Federal Reserve to stop raising interest rates. The jobs number is going to say basically the Fed, uh, we could still inflate an economy if we have jobs. That's the story today. And it could all change with a headline next week, but that's the story today. Stocks are off lows today. Yields are starting to rise after Strong's jobbers report. Amazon's buying Roomba, maker of iRobot for $1.7 billion. That doesn't feel wise. Amazon, yeah, they're in your home and they sell a lot of gadgets. And yes, the, every Christmas now, every Black Friday, every Amazon day, you're going to see get the robot for 20 to 40% off kind of deals. I get it. But that feels... I prefer Amazon focus on new areas like healthcare reform. Lower gas prices are threatening fuel makers' limitations. We're talking more and more lower gas prices. Remember three months ago, all we were talking was gas prices, gas prices, $7 gallon gasoline, California highest in the nation. Now we're starting to see gas prices kind of come back, which brings me into Tom Lee. Tom Lee is one of those market strategists that makes me a little crazy. He's always positive. There's a guy out there named uh, Dr. Doom, Neural Rubini, David Tice, guys who short the market, who are always screaming, the market's horrible, the market's horrible, get out now before it goes to zero, the market's horrible. I don't like them either. But Tom Lee is a little too bullish for me. He's just a little bit too, everything's great on Wall Street, don't you think everything is great? Let's listen to what he has to say. He says the stock market's buy the dip regime has returned after a bear market touched 73% of S&P 500 stocks in June. Since 1995, the extreme reading of 73% of stocks being more than 20% off their 52-week high was only eclipsed by the dot-com bubble lows in 2003 and the March 2009 lows amidst the great financial crisis and the March 2020 lows amidst the onset of COVID-19. Okay, wait, wait. Those are all three very recent events, Tom. We couldn't get a fourth one in there. It's not like you said, oh, this has only happened three times in 100 years. Those are three that times in the last 20 years. But he's saying a lot of bad news is priced in. With a reading of over 54% of S&P 500 stocks being in a bear market has historically proven to be a great time to buy the dip in stocks. So he's going purely on quant. Like the numbers are telling him what to say. He's seeing in the next three months, the market up 7.6%. In the next six months, the market up 11.3%. In the next 12 months, up 20%. Now, that would be good for me. But I've also said on the air, the last 20 years have been pretty good to me. I don't need to be up every single year. But he's telling me to be patient. He's offering five reasons. And it's like a top five list from the home office in Temecula, California. Number five, cash is on the sidelines. Okay, cash is on the sidelines. Yes, we could buy the debt. Or we can spend that money and go on vacations and push inflation higher. 
but cash is on the sidelines. Number four is bad news is baked into equity valuations. Not all of them, but yes, some of the more speculative names have fallen 60, 70, 80, 90% from their all-time highs. I'm looking at you, Peloton. Bad news is baked into equity valuations, but names like Peloton aren't exactly drivers of our economy. Number three on his top five list of reasons investors can be constructive is the U.S. economic dominance gained in 2022. Okay, okay. Picking up what you're putting down. He says we're oversold. Now let's find some reasons to be constructive. Number two on his list is economic resilience is better than feared. Um, and that that's proof by our our. I would almost call it a growth scare, not a recession. And not a recession is going to allow companies to operate in an environment of increasing profits. And number one on Tom Lee's fund strats, bullish market strategist. He thinks inflation proves to be less sticky. Now, gasoline prices have come down. Lumber prices have come down. Food prices, not so much. Rent prices, not so much. But he's basing a lot of what he's going on with just numbers and history. And every recession is different. Every marriage is different. Every relationship is different. And we try to lump them all into the same exact thing. And that's silly for us to do. This is an interesting type of environment due to the hot job market, hot inflation rating, Fed fighting inflation with higher interest rates, higher interest rates not leading to firings yet, not mass. The companies that are taking the most pain, companies like Snap and Peloton, yeah, they're 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 quickly right sizing. All the tech companies, whether it be Apple, Meta, Microsoft, Google, they've all said in some way, shape, or form, we need to get more out of our workers, and we probably don't need more workers right now. And there'll be some people who walk away, that quit, and there'll be some people that we have to lay off as teams. But you're seeing a head cut, head count reduction. Okay. So I like Tom Lee, but he's just a little bit too flamboyant. And by that, I, I feel like when he's on CBC or Bloomberg, he comes across as a little bit arrogant. And like, uh-huh. Yeah, of course, stocks are going to be higher. Thanks for asking. Have a good day. And I'm like, that's a little too curt because you were saying that when stocks were down 5%, then they were down 10%, then they're down 15%, then they're down 20%, then they're down 25%. But he's sticking with his guns. Job growth was likely strong in July. It could slow in the coming months. That's the thought. At the moment, inflation is hurting everyone. It's an equal opportunity scourge, but it hits the low-income worker a lot more so than the high-income worker. Employers likely added fewer jobs in July, but the monthly employment report showed a robust pace of hiring that could edge lower in the months ahead as companies get stocked for the back half of the year. Retail, I'm looking at you. You have to have enough people in the store to sell merchandise if you want us to come in and buy. That costs money. Um, but we're doing well. Companies like Walmart, Amazon, and Tesla, they're seeing more job losses um, from areas like construction, technology, retail, finance, and others. But Walmart, Amazon, and Tesla have all announced layoffs. So we're getting there. But again, the second half of the year, the inflation story is going to be part of it more so than the recession part. 
That's what we're learning today. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs>